Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Wow, I'm still uh, still wrecked by that video. It's pretty powerful. Hey, we're glad to be back. Some of you may not have noticed, but we're gone. <laughs> I noticed it was a very different environment. We went to, last year, we celebrated our 25th anniversary as a church, and an offering was taken up to send us to Italy. I think you're trying to get rid of me, but that was a good thing. And uh, so we went to Italy and uh, did our thing, and it was amazing. Some of you followed us on Wit Travels, and we gave you some interesting videos and pictures, and uh, Cindy's a great photographer. I just follow her along, take pictures of her taking pictures. That's really what I do. And uh, we had a great time over there. There was, you know, we were talking about it just earlier in worship, but we saw a whole lot of you over there. I mean, we were on a, uh, I think on a, on a bus or a, a train, and Cindy goes, don't look too quick, but Patty Sadala is right behind you. I turned around and looked, and I said, she is right behind me. <laughs> I mean, there's people, I, you know, I have this theory that there's about 10 different models that God used in creating people. And so there's a version of you in Italy, just so you know. And we, we did it all the time. We go, oh, look, there's, you know, we'd, we'd mention somebody in the church and some, some folks that we know outside the church. It's just so interesting to see uh, people in a different uh, context and uh, be able to rejoice with them. So today I want to share a little bit. We're starting a series next week on the Word of God. I want to talk about the Bible specifically. We talk out of the Bible every week, but I want to talk about the power of the Word of God to change our lives when we face various things in our lives. A big part of what I don't understand about life, I've been doing this a long time. I've been in ministry for 44 years, started in 1978, went away to school and in 76, five, somewhere around there, 75. And, uh, you know, so I've been either learning or or teaching and preaching for a long time, approaching 50 years. And uh, in that time, I'm still, there's so many things I wonder about. I, I, uh, and I think we're going to be doing that all throughout eternity. We're going to be learning of the ways of God, the goodness of God, and how precious he is, you know. But, but a big part of life is learning to be an overcomer, learning the power of overcoming in situations, and to partner with God, realizing it's not about just about me. You know, we've been, we've been uh, I don't know what the right terms would be, we've been jacked up with this whole thought that, you know, the authority of the believer, which I believe. I believe the believer has authority, but we've taken it to such an extreme that many people do believe everything is about them. A very narcissistic kind of Christian understanding. It is not about you and it is not about me. It is about God and his great love. Thank God he had mercy that God so loved the world. That's me that he gave his only begotten son. We are, we are willing participators in this amazing narrative over thousands of years of God coming and rescuing us and uh, using terms out of scripture like he picked us up on eagle's wings. And t- I mean, this beautiful rescue. We sing songs of reckless love and stuff like that. We throw in contemporary terms. But there's a lot of biblical terms that speak to this. And through the rest of the summer, I want to focus on this. I want to prepare warriors who know how to fight, who know how to resist, who know how to live in the midst of all of that in a place of joy, 
a place of love. I love the, I was just talking to Ryan Otto, our pastor up in Middleburg uh, yesterday on the phone. We were talking about the, you know, the, the parables and uh, the minas and the talents and, and those who did well with what God gave them. And this is Jesus talking. This is real theology. This is Christology. It's about Jesus. Jesus says to those who took what they had and did something. See, another thing that's been sown to the church that it's not about works. Anytime you mention works, people freak out. Oh, I'm not into works. Oh, under salvation, that's true. You don't work for salvation. But when salvation comes, it actually energizes, anoints you and motivates you to work. And I'm not talking about toil. I'm not talking about, although a lot of things are hard work. It's part of being outside the garden. But as you come inside the garden in the presence of Christ, Jesus is the garden. You learn how to work. You learn how to walk in your life. You learn how to deal with circumstances and situations without the drudgery, without the toil that comes with it. You actually learn how to move in a restful, peaceful, joyful, loving way. It's one of the things I love about Italy. You know, I... I tell people, they go, do you, what do you, why do you go to Italy? Are you Italian? And I go, no, I'm not. I'm not. God just gave me a burden for Italy about seven, eight years ago. And I, I wanted to go, I talked to Cindy about it. And we wanted to go there for obviously the natural beauty that is there, as well as the natural beauty of the culture itself and the people. We just love it. I mean, it's, it's a nightmare in some ways and it's a, it's, a, it's a great dream in others. I mean, it is so out of sorts. I've been all over the world, but it, it, is, it is just, it is very unique. And I tell people, I said, I don't know how to describe it except it's where heaven kisses earth. I mean, there's just such a sweetness there. And it is not perfect. I'm not saying that it is. We've been in a lot of ugly, difficult places in uh, Italy, particularly in Rome, but, but you roam around Italy and it is truly a, a place of uh, mystery, a place of discovery, a place of love, a place of, of just the ancient pathway of Christians the, by the millions that traveled through Italy to get to Rome so that they might, you know, appear before St. Peter's uh, Basilica and, and uh, get healing or get uh, uh, deliverance from whatever there. And it's happened. It's happened to millions of people over the thousand, 2,000 years uh, that we've, been, we've experienced Christianity as we have. Today, by the way, is the day of Pentecost. We celebrate Pentecost Sunday today, which is the bringing of the Holy Spirit that touched everyone in this room. The whole reason you know God in the way you do is because of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit as God reveals Jesus Christ as God. It reveals Abba, the love of the Father, as God. So we thank the Holy Spirit on this day. It's kind of like Holy Spirit birthday. Uh, we just uh, thank the Holy Spirit for all of his work in our lives as a gentle guide, and sometimes a not so gentle guide, to get us to where we need to be. So all that to say this, I'm gonna talk about that all summer, and uh, talk to a few of my guys and ladies about uh, how we're gonna preach this summer, but we want to spend this time getting uh, the Word of God imbibed in our very spirit. That when we face a difficult situation, the first response will be like Christ. When he was in the 40 days of temptation, his first response was the Word of God came out of him. His first response was to the go-to for him, the default position for him, was the Word of God because he had been programmed with the Word of God. Many people believe that by age five, Jesus knew the Pentateuch. 
Now you can say, wait, it was God. Of course he did that. Well, I know Philippians says he laid aside his, his divine attributes, his divine abilities. I should say access. He easily could have accessed that at any time, but chose to limit himself. God limited himself so that he could experience what it is to be a man on planet earth or a human on planet earth. And in that, his, when he was tempted of the devil, and the devil somehow thought that he could, he could mess Christ up. So he came and actually even after messing with him a while said, well, I'll return at an opportune time. So he didn't give up easily on God in the flesh. And Jesus Christ in that every time when the enemy would twist the word of God and twist the very character of who God was to try to get Jesus to stumble, Jesus would respond with what was programmed in his spirit from an early boy. Some people go, I'm taking my kids out of public school to put them in Christian school because I want them to be to be raised, and I understand that. We did it with our kids, particularly early on in elementary school. You know, we, I felt like, let's, let's get a good, strong Christian base in them. And we sent them to Christian schools, and they did a great job. And some of them actually went through junior high and high school and Christian school also. But the idea was is that we program their spirit. Right now, our government even mentions that, you know, uh, <laughs> parenting rights are not ours. They're not our children. It's... It's ludicrous. These are our children. But we do have responsibility with them. And if you don't fill that void, culture will fill that void. And we've seen plenty of young Christians that go through as excellent Christians until they get to college where they're introduced to all kinds of concepts that are bombarding them also being bombarded with social media 24-7 that they come up with concepts and ideas that are contrary to the Word of God. I and devoting the rest of my life to fight that. I want to fight that and say, no, 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 we're not trying to brainwash people. We're trying to spirit wash people. We want people in their innermost eternal spirit to know they can trust in God. And that God will actually, through Jesus Christ, gives us the very purpose and understanding of who we're following, how we live our lives, how we deal with situations. And yes, we want to program them with the word of God, the Bible. I brought my flesh and blood Bible up here today. It's the one I use right here. I, I usually use the computer when I'm preaching, but I, I brought it just as a, it's, it's kind of falling apart. It, it has issues, but uh, it's, it's been well used and I've got a lot of notes in here and everything and I love it. I my first two books are kind of outlined in the front of this and sticky notes, you know, and I used those when I wrote, uh, wrote my book. So it's got, it's got emotional quality and attachment for me. So I brought it just as a symbol because it is a symbol, at least for the past 500 years, to have something in your hand that is a, an understanding of the Word of God written over thousands of years through dozens of different people from all aspects of life speaking something that perfectly comes into this framework like a puzzle being put together of the absolute love of God and the purpose of God for each one of our lives. So we wanna make sure that we're preaching contextually and getting an understanding of who is Jesus and why did he come and why is he called the word of God in John chapter one? So we're gonna get into that. Right now though, I wanna talk about rest before we get into this whole series next week. And rest because I just came back from Italy. And one of the reasons we go to Italy, by the way, we run constantly, we walk constantly, we hike, we, how many, uh, how many uh, steps, how many miles did we walk? 130 miles we walked while we were over there. Uh, 
and some of them were grueling miles in the Chiquatera. 653 flights of stairs, the equivalent of that uh, in, uh, in the time that we were over there. Uh, my, my watch, my Apple watch was going crazy. I mean, like half hour into the day, you've reached your goals. <laughs> I thought, wow, okay, man, Italy really changes your life. Back in Cleveland, I do about 5,000 steps a day. And uh, over here, I'm doing uh, up to 20, 22,000 a day. So uh, some interesting things uh, happen. So there's, there's a sense of we enter into a rest, but Italy, the way we do Italy, is not really a rest as you deem rest. It's not laying on the beach, although I love doing that too. So there is a rest for the body that we need to be conscious of. There's a rest for the soul. That is your, the eternal framework of who you are. It's your, it's your mind, your will, and your emotions. That which makes who you are, the uniqueness of who you are. And there's a rest you can get for your soul, your spirit, which is that part which is born of God, which is dead because of sin prior to the acceptance of Jesus Christ. You were made alive, according to Ephesians chapter two. You were made alive, raised up, and seated at the right hand of uh, of of God, of right hand of the throne with Christ. You are seated in heavenly places. Your spirit has been made alive. And so there's this quickening that happens. So we walk through our lives knowing we have governing powers over this that God has given me. I complain about it often. You know, Lord, couldn't I have been uh, two to three inches taller? It had been, it had been awesome. Tall people, according to statistics, have an advantage. If 70% of CEOs are over six foot. I mean, it's, it's just wrong, you know? It's wrong. And short people tend to get angry and take over the world, you know? And so I, you know, I don't want to be that guy. But I feel it. I feel it bubbling up sometimes inside, you know? And so, so you know, I, I do have elevation complex uh, some degree. So, you know, I've got questions. Why 5'9"? You know, why, why was that? Why did that, you know, uh, why did I get that body? And, and uh, why did I get this body that wasn't naturally fit? Like people I know, they eat, they eat whatever they want and they're just like, they're ripped, you know, and they look great. And do you work out? No, I don't need to work out. I just stay moving, you know. And they don't realize it's, it's their grandpa that, that brought that into their life. They had nothing to do with that. And so my grandpa was at a pot belly. And apparently it runs through our family. So, so it's not just about physical rest, although it's important. It's not just about soul rest, you know, that your mind is, you know, you got to unwind. It takes me two to three days when I go on vacation to unwind, you know. You know, it, I, I understand that. That really shouldn't have to happen. We need to learn, by the grace of God, how to live our lives in rest, Actually, live our lives. Did you know that God Himself took a day off? <laughs> Genesis one, speaking of, I think Jeremy, Jerry was referring to it earlier. Uh, Genesis one, He creates the heavens and the earth. Like that had to take some time. And whatever your view is of those those passages in Genesis, there was a process, a methodical, structural, substantial process the Lord did in framing out the universe right down to the little creatures and you yourself and framed you and, and then filled it with life, substance, life came into that. I mean, what, what a beautiful account of an amazing artist, the artistry of God 
You know, his, his primary first understanding of who God was, was God as creator. And yet on the seventh day, it said he rested from his labors. He was working. He took a day off. And he declared it sacred. You know, he said it was good every day. But it's funny, when one man was created, he said it was very good. You know, so it gets a little extra bump there. And then he declares the seventh day, Sabbath, as a sacred, holy, set-apart time. Now, I don't know how you grew up or what your background was. I mean, I was fortunate to grow up in the late 50s and early 60s. Uh, and uh, I said I was fortunate and misfortune. I mean, there's, there's two sides to every era, I'm sure. But uh, in the sense of the slowness of culture, it was definitely way slower than it is now. And, uh, you know, if you thought you had a budding relationship with, a, with another girl at school, you stayed close to the phone. Am I going to get a phone call? I mean, you couldn't just go anywhere and know you're going to get a phone call. You're like, what? Well, that's stupid. Why'd you do that? Well, because we had landlines. Everything was attached. So what it did is it slowed everything down. And stalking wasn't weird back then. It's weird now. But back then, that was your only option. I'm going to drive by her house and just see if she happens to be out. They'll arrest you for that right now. But back then, it was just, what you had to do was communication. So everything was very slow. It never happened quick enough. I mean, it was such a frustration. Now, you know, I mean, it is so fast. And it, the, the, one of the most depleted things in human understanding right now is, is the peace and rest of God. I mean, it, it, it is so, you have to, I, I know it sounds counterintuitive, you have to fight for rest. <laughs> You have to work about rest. You've got to be diligent about it. You've got to frame your life up in such a way. And I, about 40 years ago, it became revelation in my life, and we framed our life. We declared a Monday since, you know, I work on Sunday, but, but Monday, is, Monday is our day of rest, and we, we approach it. I say this in all the right ways. We do it religiously. You know, I don't deal, unless there's an emergency, and there seldom is on Mondays for whatever reason. I don't know why, but most emergencies happen in the middle of the night, uh, uh, on weekends. I don't know why that happens, but it just does. And so most pastoral emergencies are like that. But we walk through life and, and we, we try to, to create a rhythm in our lives. Now there's still people, I know there's still people out there, even though a lot of books have been written on this, that do not understand that you have control over your life that you decide how your physical body is going to be. And I understand there's some things that have been dealt to you that you didn't ask for, and, and you've, you work that out, you try to figure it out, you, you compensate for whatever you might do. But most of it, we have control over a body. What we eat uh, determines what we look like in many ways. And so what we eat, we learn how to control that. We learn how to give rest to our body. We learn how to sleep. Some people cannot sleep. We need to pray for people actually have insomnia because it... It is a matter of their, their, their spiritual force that comes out of them many times is determined by their ability to be able to walk and function in real ways. And so you need rest. You need to tend to your body. You need to, you need to move. You need to move as you get in your 60s and 70s. You know, you just, you, 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 it's very easy to become immovable. You just don't move. I mean, the biggest move you make is toward the fridge. 
and then back to the screens or whatever you might do or out in your garden and back and, you know, and, and our world shrinks down. I've seen it happen with some of my neighbors and, and their lives just shrink down into their, into their home. You've got to get out. You've got you, as much as you can do, you've got to move. You've got to get out. You, why? Because you have responsibility for your physical body. And your soul, you have responsibility. You have a personality that is a great personality, but sometimes rubs people wrong. And you say, well, that's just my personality. You know, I gotta be who I am. I gotta be honest to who I am. If you don't like it that I'm blunt, then you just need to maybe find somebody else to hang out with. I mean, see, in Christ, now the forefront that comes to you in Christ is you realize I'm a servant of everyone else. And if I'm hearing over and over that my personality is offending people, and I've had times in my life, I mean, when I first started our church, Cindy would tell you, I'm talking about my first church back here in Brunswick in, in 1980. We used to do this thing. I've kind of stopped doing it because it was very difficult. But anyway, we had communion every Sunday. And we would, you know, we'd get up front and do the thing that, that we say sometimes. Just say, you know, would you, you know, if you have any ought against anyone, anything, you know, you need to lay your gift down, go get this straightened out, you know. And so literally we practice that communion that, look, if you had ought with somebody, ought was just a word like you're ticked off. If you're ticked off about something, you've been hurt by someone, go to them before you take the bread and the juice. Sounds right, right? Scripture. And so back then we would do, we'd go, you know, just, you know, as we wait a few minutes, you know, you know, and you see people moving over to someone else. Oh, okay. They're having some kind of problem over there, you know. So. But the problem with me was I always had a line of about 30 people lined up in front of me. Everyone else, all the other pastors have one or two people might come up and say, yeah, I have a problem with what you shared last week. With me, I had to like schedule appointments that week. I was like, I, I, I said, what? They said, you said this. And I said, I don't remember saying it. You said that. Well, maybe I've heard my wife say that I said that too. So it might be true, you know? And so I spent a lot of my time apologizing to people. It doesn't happen anymore because I don't do that anymore. <laughs> it just works against who I am, you know? But anyway, what, what is that? That is a soul thing. And so I can ignore it. Go, that's just who I am. That's just who I am. If I did that, we'd have 10 people in church. But if you come to a point where you say, you know what, maybe there's something I need to kind of, you know, I need to do something about my personality and a little bit about my communication with other people. And that's why I've loved Danny and Sherry Silk. They've created a whole new language and understanding of how to communicate with one another and strengthen marriages. I love, I love uh, Dave uh, uh, Ramsey. I love Dave Ramsey because he's, all, again, created a whole new understanding of, you know, how to take care of your finances and get things in order. I mean, some people, I just, that's just the way I operate. Well, I know, but you're broke. So somewhere you got to stop and say, this could be a me problem. Could be something I need to do. Maybe that cappuccino or that latte or whatever it is with the, you know, the fuzzy stuff on it and the pink and all that, you know, that I see people coming in and picking up. Like, what is that? I wouldn't even know how to describe that to order. And they walk out of Starbucks, you know, with this big fancy drink and a vinte, double vinte thingy, whatever, skinny, always skinny, but man, with sugar all in it and everything. And they walk out of there and, and they don't realize that your body, your soul, and by the way, your soul, you gotta be careful your soul doesn't come, become attached to food. And there is a soul thing with food. Food is a big deal in the New Testament. Jesus loved food. I mean, in his resurrected body, imagine his resurrected body, the disciples were out fishing and they see this guy in the shore who's prepared a fire 
and, and is cooking fish. And they recognize in their communication because Jesus yells out. He's just far enough they couldn't recognize him. Hey, you caught anything today? Yeah, no, we haven't. You try, try the other side. So they throw it on the other side, which was a, a, a repeated scenario of what had happened in Luke chapter five. And once again, whoo, this roar of fish in this net. Peter realizes it, takes out his outer raincoat, jumps in the water, swims up, and Jesus has breakfast waiting for them on the shore. I mean, think about it. The Last Supper, his first miracle was water to wine. I mean, Jesus could have been an Italian. He really could have. I mean, it was, it was, it was amazing, his, the, the love and the understanding of spiritual influence through food. Someday I'm gonna preach a, a series on it because I really believe it, that, that uh, food is such a powerful thing because we're, we're taking from the same whatever it is that we're eating. We're communing together. There's something that bonds us in the midst of that that is very powerful. So what does rest look like? Rest looks like us coming to a place of managing our own body, soul, and spirit. Rest is in your hands. You're the one to learn how to do this. But I tell you, the rest is in Jesus Christ. Trusting in Jesus with your life will bring you an amazing rest in God. Turn with me, if you could, to Hebrews chapter three and uh, verse seven. And I'm gonna read, I'm gonna cut a little short here. I'm gonna read a lot of verses here, which I will be throughout the summer as we focus heavily upon the word of God. Sundays are a bit frustrating for me because there's so much in the word of God to look at, talk about, and really the time we have is so short. Usually we end up focusing on one verse or something like that. But in Hebrews 3 verse 7 says this, therefore, and try to read between the lines what's being said here, but as the Holy Spirit says, that's interesting. Day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit speaks. He says stuff. I don't know, we just don't imagine the Holy Spirit doing that, but it's recorded right here. As the Holy Spirit says, today, everyone say today. Today's an important word in this passage. It's repeated several times because there's a future date called today, <laughs> which is every day. That today we face something in our life and we decide to either trust God or trust in ourselves. If we trust in ourselves, it's got biblical, spiritual implications. Psalms 1 says that. If you trust in the Lord, you're like a tree that's planted by water. But if you trust in yourself, you're like a bush uh, blowing in the wilderness. And, and there'd be no substance or no fruit in your life. And so your trust, this gets you through life, is trusting in God and believing that he has your best interest in mind. And by trusting him means you do things that may be counterintuitive and counterculture to what you think would be best. So it says this, today, if you will hear his voice, so it's inferred that Christians need to hear the voice of God. There are entire denominations right now that do not believe that God speaks today. That he will not speak to you in a dream. That he will not speak to you through something that someone says. That he'll not speak to you through the circumstances that you're walking through. God speaks a lot. His Holy Spirit is guiding us constantly. He says, do not harden your hearts as in a rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. For your fathers tested me, verse nine, tried me and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. 
Now, Israel is always a picture of believers in the New Testament. They are our example. When you read about Israel, you're reading about the life of following God, following Christ. And so he says, uh, they always go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. So here's a key, here's a key point for us. God calls us to learn the ways. Jesus said, learn of me. You, you study the Lord, not for information's sake. You study the Lord because focusing on Jesus transforms your life. It makes you think different. It makes you discover the fullness of who you are, your destiny, and everything about you. I mean, it's all in Jesus Christ. It's all hidden in him. That's why when you follow Jesus Christ, you are engaging on the true purpose, the eternal purpose that God had planned for you. And when you don't, you're just doing your own thing. So it says, I swore in my wrath, verse 11, they shall not enter my rest. Listen to this. They shall not enter my rest. You cannot enter to the true rest of God without full trust in who God is in your life. No rest will come to you. And I don't know about you, I know what rest feels like. <laughs> I mean, we were, the first week we were in Italy, of course, we have very little, you know, we had an Italian phone, we had very little uh, access to what was going on in the world. But all I did know, which my phone was reminding me of, is the stock market was dropping pretty severely every day. Now, you know, a big part of my life is in, in mutual funds, 401ks, things like that, you know? And so I'm watching it. I'm like, ooh, my goodness, look at that drop going on over days. I mean, a full correction of about 20% in the past while, you know? And we were seeing it kind of uh, diving as it still is. It adjusts quickly and then dives again. But it's, it's in a real downward turn, you know? And so I'm at a place in my life, you know, in my 30s, 40s, I wouldn't think about it a whole lot. You get in your mid-60s, you think, wow, you know, these things take time to recover. I've been through 93 and 2000 and 08 and all those various corrections over the time, way, way back even into the uh, early 80s, 83. And so I've seen all those happen over time. And so you find out that moment, is your trust in the Lord or in what you possess, what you've accomplished, what you've put in the bank, so to speak, uh, whether it's actual finances or whatever, and so you get tested in your heart. I'm, I'm first week. And I tell you, I passed the test by the grace of God. I mean, I, I had that moment. I had a moment like everyone does where you're like, oh, wow. Well, whatever. <laughs> I'm in Italy. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy it. You know, I'm going to eat some pasta. That'll cure everything, you know. Have a, have a uh, cappuccino or something like that. And so, a cappuccini, actually, uh, for both of us are having it. Anyway, it says, so I swore in my wrath that they will not enter my rest. In other words, there's a rest you can enter into that many people will never enter into on this side of heaven. Isn't that sad? There is a better life that you can live right now by trusting God. It's all through scripture. You see in the Old Testament, you see in the New Testament, Jesus tells you a hundred different ways. Look, trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord. If you get lost, if you stumble, if you make a mistake, I'll come after you. I'll find you. You know, in the, the uh, uh, what was that song I mentioned earlier? Uh, the uh, reckless love, reckless love. I mean, I love, I love that verse. Even though it's not strictly biblical, it has, the, has a contextual understanding. It says, you know, he'll kick down the door. You know, when, you, when I picture that when we're singing, it's like, yeah, I'm with him. He'll come after me. You try locking me up, he'll kick that door down. You're gonna be sorry because you don't understand my God. And uh, he loves you dearly, but don't mess with me. 
I'm one of his kids. I mean, you get that, understand, that's trust in God. Beware, brethren, listen to this, verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you with an evil heart of unbelief. By the way, there was in the Old Testament. A whole generation of them got held back from the promise of rest. The promised land is actually called the promise of rest. A promise of rest. He was moving them into the, what is the spiritual life in God, crossing over through the wanderings of the wilderness over into the promised land. They weren't done, by the way. They had battles to fight, but they fought different kinds of battles. And they, they did it a different way. That's why we sang that song. This is how I fight my battles. We fight battles differently. We fight battles like this. Woo! That's not how you fight battles. If you lift your hands up, you indicate where you are and you get shot in battle. Here I am. Woo! I worship you, Lord. You lift your voice up. You do all the things you do not do in battle. I worship you, God. And you declare the goodness of God, which your enemy hates. And so your, your way through the battles, when you hear that you have cancer, you're, you have a, you're bankrupt, you hear your, your wife left, whatever it might be, these tragic things that come in their life. I mean, I love the verse where Job, he fell down and worshiped the Lord. When everything was collapsing all around, somehow he still had problems. I mean, he was a guy just like all of us, but he fell down and he worshiped the Lord. His first priority, his default position was, I trust in God. Somehow, God, hey, okay, I'm, I'm in the battles going on. How's this gonna work, Lord? How are you gonna, I don't know. I can't even figure it out, Lord. I trust in you, Lord. I trust in you with my life and you will carry me all the way through. Lord, you wrote the last page. You are the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. You know my end and it is good. You've declared it over my life and absent from the body, I'll be present with the Lord. I will end up in heaven and you've gone away and say, don't be, don't be concerned. I've gone away and I'm preparing a mansion for you. Whether that's a literal mansion, I don't know. I don't really care. I just want to be with him. But if it is, it's probably an Italian villa for Cindy and I. Even though in heaven there isn't giving into marriage and things like that, but uh, we're going to figure it out. <laughs> uh, I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah, so, so while it is called today, there it is again, let any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, for we've become partakers of Christ if, 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 in other words, this is conditional. We're partakers in Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Oh, Wow. Can people fall away from God? Oh, it got quiet, Cindy. It was a little too deep. Can they fall away from God? Yeah. Yeah, they can. We see it happen all the time. What does that, what is, what is that mean? Well, Scripture actually leans in several different directions, but it appears that if you sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. But when you set yourself against God, you can walk away because you're not trusting God anymore. He kind of does, I don't know how to explain it. He doesn't leave you, you leave him. And you move into a life that's immediately going, the wages of sin is death. You know, even a small sin, there's wages to it. Jerry talked about sowing and reaping. That goes both ways. <laughs> when you sow wrong relationships, you, you, you reap a, sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. 
So it's like it was just a little thing. It was a little thought I had. Those things, that's why you repent of them. You, you take them to the Lord. It's an acknowledgement. It doesn't mean that you're not forgiven. It means you go to it understanding. Confess your sins, the Bible says, that you may be healed. I mean, there's something that comes when you confess to the Lord. I do like in the Catholic church, they go to a priest and they speak a confession and you could argue whether that's right or wrong, but there's something powerful about confessing to one another and saying, hey, I've sinned. As long as you're bringing it before the Lord. And so in scripture, it says if we hold to the beginning our, our, our confidence and steadfast. Go to chapter four real quick because I'm out of time. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, lest any of you seem to come short of it. Some of us can come short of it. Christopher, did I say something to offend you? You're perfect. Okay, good. I just want to make sure. He <laughs> says, so I swore in my rest. Where was I? Okay. Oh yeah, verse two. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Not, not being mixed with faith to those who heard it. For those who have believed do enter that rest. In other words, you enter a rest in faith in God. When you trust God, when that situation comes into your life and you say, there's one thing, sweetheart. We're gonna trust God in this situation. Somehow he's got, Cindy is so good at this. I mean, we'll get hit in the face with something, you know, whatever it might be. We get it just like anyone else does. And, and I'll say, what are we gonna do? You know, that's my first response. And her response is, you know what? We're gonna trust God in this. Amen. She has her times of doubt too, but overall she's like the, the rock of Gibraltar. And uh, she, she is steadfast, she is strong. We'll trust in God, he's gonna work it out. You know, when I got diagnosed with cancer, what is that going to mean? What do we have to go through? It, uh, it, we're going to figure it out. She loves saying that. We're going to figure it out. We're going to get through it because she trusts in the Lord. Now, let me just finish with this because I'm, oh man, I hate that I'm short on time here, but rest is a destination for believers and it's in Christ. Rest is one of the greatest attractions to Christianity. I mean, love is, joy is, I get all that, but rest when you see someone who's restful in the midst of hyperinflation, housing prices just getting ridiculous off the chart. If you're selling, that's a good thing, but if you're buying, it's not. The people struggling, how am I going to pay for things? You know, I'm not, I, you know, in America, we had, I think, a 5% uh, increase in wages over this past year, uh, but they don't even really, can't even figure an exact number on on uh, inflation, they think it may go as high as 32%. Uh, and so you didn't get a raise. You didn't, you're not making more money. You're actually making 20% or so less than what you made the previous year. And so the, the, the subliminal and overt strain of that on our lives, how do you endure through that? You teach your spirit, your soul, and your body to learn to rest. That's why you need a vacation. And if you can't afford a vacation or you, you're not allowed to take one or whatever for where you work, then you, you learn how to get rhythms in your life of peace. Find those soul things. I write about it in my book, Your Prophetic Life Map. What are those soul things in your life that still your soul? Maybe it's having flowers in a room. Maybe it's sitting in the backyard. Maybe it's walking in a park. I don't know what it is. I know what mine is, are. And I know how God's adding things into my life. 
I can set it up. When I feel a disturbance coming on, I move into a place of peace. I know exactly where to go. I know what to do. And I move in that peace because I know the storm is coming. What, what do you do in a storm? You batten down the hatches. You get into a safe place and you wait for it to pass over. And you trust in the Lord. One last thing. I woke up this morning. It was kind of interesting. I, this is like 5.50 this morning. I woke up thinking about arrow and arrow. Aero, A-E-R-O, like an aerodynamics, and then arrow as in shooting an arrow, and just the play on words, arrow and arrow, they're, they're not related in any way really, but, but it's, it's interesting to think about because uh, one of the things that I, I did when I was a child that I, I actually did over in Italy this time, I seldom drive in my car with the windows down. I don't know why, I just don't. I, I prefer to be cooler and have the air conditioning on or whatever. But in Italy, you drive a lot with your windows down. And I don't even know why we did that, but we did. And you remember when you're little, uh, particularly back in the 60s, they were the only entertainment you had. You didn't have an iPad or anything like that. You're in the back seat. My father was a smoker, like a chain smoker. And so we always kept the windows cracked or open or whatever. And we had control over the windows. We rolled them down. You rolled them down, you put your hand out. You know, you just like to feel that, whew, the wind going by. It's amazing. Isn't that cool? And, you know, you, everyone has done this same thing. Somehow it's innately born in each one of us to stick our hand out the window and to pretend like you're flying. <laughs> and you realize, oh, hey, as soon as you put your hand up, <laughs> And so you learn aerodynamics at a very young age. You realize, stay narrow, stay narrow, stay narrow, you get ahead. If you resist, <laughs> narrow, narrow will get you back up there again. You feel the wind and you got, as soon as you though, you allow the big flat surface of non-understanding and resisting, the power of the wind comes back. And so I was laying in bed this morning and this came to me. Let me just tell you this. Aerodynamics, hand out the window, go narrow, get narrow. Narrow is the way to eternal life. Jesus said narrow is the path. Broad is the way to destruction. Not being narrow-minded, it's thinning your life out, narrowing your way. Less cares, less barnacles upon your, your whole of your life, you know. Broad is the way to destruction. Hand up creates resistance. Sin is a resistor. When you sin, it's like your hand going up, boom, throws you back. As you stay holy, you're staying narrow, you're walking in purity before God by his grace. Sin broadens your, broadens your surface, slows you down. Get narrow, holy. Have a point for living. The tip of the arrow is Jesus Living with a point. You live with the point. You stay narrow. You are going to have the rest of God. You will have, no, you have less disturbances in your spirit in your life. But as soon as you throw up your hand, you will be pushed back. I don't know why I thought about that. I thought that's a pretty basic illustration. We said, so I started studying arrows straight. In fact, stand up so you know I'm almost done. <laughs> the arrow has to be straight. A narrow life speaks of a fasted, rested, tested, and filled life. Do you think you can do that? You can, by the grace of God. You can change your life today by just saying, I am not going to resist God in my life. I'm going to trust in the Lord. When you do, you become aerodynamic. You pierce through the darkness. You pierce through life. The sin and the weight that easily besets you is not there. You navigate the ups and downs. You remember those pine wood derbies growing up? Maybe just guys remembered, I don't know. 
they give you a block at, at Cub Scouts or something, a wood block, and you're supposed to make a, a fast-moving derby car out of that. My father wasn't real helpful in that. He was a very busy man, so I had to figure it out. I never won the derby. But I understood the concepts, that you got to get narrow in the front, and the weight has to be right. And you're taking this block that will not win the race. You've got to shape it. And in Christ, you've been handed something that he's calling you to shape out through holiness and purity. A transformation needs to happen in each of our lives. Um, the last thing on that, uh, the arrow part, is wings and feathers. You know, what are those feathers? I thought, that's really interesting. In an arrow, you got the point, it's aerodynamic, it moves through the wind, but it's dependent on these little feathers in the back that actually guide the arrow. It slows it down a little bit, but it makes it more accurate. And as soon as I thought of the feathers, of course, I thought of the Holy Spirit. I just thought the presence of the Holy Spirit is the guide that we walk through. And God's calling you to be straight arrows, to pierce through life, to pierce through the difficulties, to go through the valley of the shadow of death. Some people try to avoid it or whatever, and somehow these things always come back around. But sometimes you have to face the wind, pierce this thing, go through it, and conquer it in many ways. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I, this is Jesus talking, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. This is, the kind of, this is what causes a guy to sleep in the midst of the storm. Rest. Spiritual rest. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm 10 minutes over. I'm so sorry. Particularly for Middleburg. Cindy, if you can text them, let them know I'm running a few minutes late here. Who's taking it? Jerry, are you taking it? Come on up. Jerry, I just feel we need a little activation of rest somehow. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's just calling the Holy Spirit come rest on us or something. But Lord, in this busy culture and society, I just ask the Lord for this church to stand out as people that are not governed by the culture and the society, but are governed by a higher civilization called the kingdom of God. That the Lord Jesus Christ and his precious Holy Spirit and the Father Abba's great love is an assurance that identifies us as sons and daughters of God. That we will be able to move through everything that, the, that is brought before us, be it from God, be it from friends, be it from the enemy. Wherever it comes, we will move through it and we will trust in the Lord. And that trust will bring rest. Did you know that Israel could not go into the promised land because they lacked trust in God, they lacked faith, and they were beaten back from getting into the promises of God. I want to enter into what God has. I want to enter into the rest. I want to do the battles the way God would do it. Worship, listening to his voice, obeying the odd things he tells me that makes no sense, but somehow they work. Lord, we invite the King of glory to come into this place right now. Every one of you, you're facing something, something challenging in your life. We just ask the Lord right now. Jerry's gonna take us into this for a few moments. 
If you do not know Jesus Christ, this is an amazing time right now to give your life fully to the Lord Jesus Christ. But Lord, I ask for the complete deliverance. Is this you, Jerry? Okay. Deliverance and release and freedom of the Holy Spirit upon this congregation. We are moving into an amazing era in our church. I'm gonna be be sharing things over the summer, but wow, it feels sometimes we've we've just begun. It's like come to a new platform, a new level. And now we're, we're looking. We've got the ability now to look beyond where we could see 25 years ago. I'm very excited about it. So Lord, I pray for this congregation right now. Lord, you would set us free that we may be a people that are walking in the peace and the rest of the Lord. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.